the economic indicators indicate that it is a growing city, right? So let's talk about market selection. What does that entail? So I talked about population. First and foremost, you want to figure out is the population shrinking or growing? And what are the demographics that are there? Are there younger people moving into that area? Why do younger people that are out of college usually move to a new city? Jobs again, right? So jobs. And then, so this is the first thing that I look at before I enter into a market. Are people moving there, right? And why are they moving there? Is it because the industries are good? Is it because job grows? So Google's like my best friend. I hate not knowing, so I'm a big researcher. I'll try to figure something out. And, and these days you can do it with, with technology, right? So Google it for whatever city you're looking for and you'll be able to find it on the city's websites. Population, that's the first, very first thing I look at, right? First looking at population, then we look at industry. I look at industry to understand, okay, What's driving the jobs? What's driving small businesses to move there? Are there favorable rules and regulations that have been created by this city or this county or the state for people to move to? And so, again, these city websites many times have a ton of information on, on some of the incentives. Are there any major headquarters moving there? So I'm, I'm from Atlanta and I, I can give a little insight in Atlanta. Recently, we had Mercedes-Benz's corporate headquarters move there. Porsche just moved there. Delta's based out of there. Home Depot's based, based out of there. Coca-Cola, very solid companies. So do I think that Coca-Cola that's been around for, I don't know, 100 and something plus years is going to go belly up? Probably not. So what major headquarters exist there? And then pull up things about what, what industries are favorable over there. All right. And so that's another thing to consider. And then the final thing that I look at when I'm looking at markets and I'm going to spend multiple hours, probably multiple days doing this type of research. The last thing I'm going to look at is affordability and cost factors. What's the cost of housing over there? What's the cost of living? And then wages versus cost of living. So affordability and cost factors, right? So why are people moving there? Also, because if they earn money there, their dollar goes farther, right? They can get a nicer house in Atlanta than they can in San Francisco. So affordability and cost factors is something else that I'm going to look at before I decide on a specific market. This is my top three, right? If I see a green light on the first part, population is growing. If I see a green light with industry, I have growth industries in place, jobs are being created, and I see a green light on cost of living is below the national average, I generally say, okay, I should look into this market further, all right? And see if there's opportunities available. That's the first thing I do, right? High level market selection. Now, I'm going to jump into market research. I'm going to jump into understanding at a micro level what is going on in this market. Okay, what areas of this market should I be investing in? So when I do that, I have to learn the neighborhoods. Again, you go online, pull up maps of this city, get familiar with the neighborhoods, start knowing the names of these neighborhoods, right? Tons of online resources that we use. Zillow, 
truly a Redfin. Redfin's one of my favorite websites to do research. All right, redfinrealtor.com. What I like about Zillow is that they have a lot of research information. Most people don't know that, but if you go scroll down, you go to zillow.com, scroll down to the bottom, there's a little link that says research. You click on that. And what they do is they compile statistics on every major market in the country every single month. So as median home prices vary, you can learn that and, and a whole slew of other data as well, based on market statistics, et cetera, et cetera. Then once we begin to understand some of the neighborhood, right, through some of the online resources, now you can pick up the phone. Remember, I'm not there. So I'm not going to look at houses. I'm not meeting with people. I am picking up the phone and talking to top agents. You can go to Zillow. You can also look at uh, Zillow and agents that pay for like a preferred listing or something like that. Is that an agent that understands that they have to market to increase their business? So do you think that agent could be an, a producing agent in that market? Yeah, could be, might not be. You can start there. It says talk to top agents with an S. That means multiple people, right? Not one. Don't just take one person's opinion. It's just a data point. Talking to an agent is just a data point. So talk to top agents, figure out what neighborhoods people prefer. Look at sales comps. You can pull up sales comps on websites like Redfin or realtor.com and it'll give you who the buyer's agent is and who the listing agent is. If you have the same buyer's agent selling five out of 15 properties in a given neighborhood, do you think that buyer's agent understands what a buyer wants in that neighborhood? Yeah, absolutely, right? So understand neighborhoods people prefer and then who lives where. So understand the demographics. So do you have families living in this neighborhood? Why are they moving to this neighborhood? Oh, because the school districts are fantastic. Or do you have young urban professionals moving here or dinks, dual income, no kids? Are, are there dinks moving here because they want to be near all the action? Yeah, the schools are not great, but they can walk to all the local shops, shopping centers, restaurants, bars, etc. right? They don't care about school districts. And it's very rare that a property will sit. Why? Because we're creating a product that that demographic is looking for. So who lives there? What's selling quickly? What's renting quickly? Study that. Look at multiple comparables. So if you see the majority of properties in a given neighborhood are three bedroom, two bath, 1,200 to 1,500 square feet. Is it a intelligent move to buy a two bedroom, one bath, 850 square feet in that area? Probably not. Probably not unless you can do an addition and add on the square footage to make it a more desirable property. In which case you're probably gonna spend more money to do an addition, right? It's a lot of different factors playing there. What's renting quickly? cross-reference information online. So when I used to do research online, what I often found was that some places had one set of data, another place had another set of data, and they were different. So what did I do? Look at another site, right? My rule of thumb is always a minimum of three, but usually I used to do five. So five different websites. I'm a firm believer in this concept of ready, fire, aim. So just jump in and then 
figure it out, right? And that's what I that's why I said I'm I'm really into research. We live in an age right now that no one in our history has ever experienced with instantaneous access to information, right? That's our big advantage. Right? That's why people are able to invest. You know, I still have properties to this day that I bought in 2008 and 9 that I still have not even walked. I forget walked, even driven by, right? And they keep producing a paycheck every single month. It's beautiful. That's how I like to invest. Sit on my couch, right? That's my investing strategy. <laughs> Study the properties, cash sales. Who are the majority of cash buyers in any given market? Investor, right? Investor. So study the properties. Where are the cash sales? And then did these cash sales resell in the next year or two? If a cash sale resells a year or two later, more than likely what has happened to that property? It's been rehabbed, it's been renovated. And if the pictures don't tell you, you can do the research by looking at the tax record, right? If a property was bought at 50,000 and then six months later, it was sold for 160,000, that's a flip. You see that over and over and over again. Hey, this is an area where investors are flipping property. So here's what we used to do. We used to take that information and we would look at the tax record to see, hey, who was the investor that bought that property? Then we take that name and we Google it. And usually we could find the office phone number or contact information for the people that, or the company that bought that property. If we couldn't, I'd take it a step further. I'd go to the Secretary of State's website for that state. And it's public record information in most states where you can find out at least an email address or a phone number for that company, right? And that's, this is how I find a lot of buyers for our wholesale deals. This is what we do both locally and in other markets. So now, what if you got really good at marketing the leads, which we'll talk about in a few minutes, marketing the leads and pulling them in and all you did is just wholesale properties virtually. So did the cash sales resell within a year or two? What are the price differences? If someone bought a property for 100, it was a cash sale, but sold it for 105, that's probably not a flip. Could be a rental though. And then you wanna look at rental rates versus cost to buy. So if you can buy a property, say for, I don't know, 100,000. Let's say you buy it for 60,000, you put 40 grand into it, it's gonna be 100 grand. You might have a mortgage on it, Let's say mortgage, taxes, insurance, all the costs are gonna be a net total every single month of roughly 800 bucks. Well, if you could rent that property for 1100 or 1300 or 1200, is that gonna produce cash flow every single month? Yes, it is, right? So that's what I mean. That's why in New York, living in New York, I'd buy a property for 400,000 and it rents for like 1500 bucks. That's not going to cash flow. It's going to have a negative cash flow. I don't like that. So I'm going to look at rental rates versus cost to buy. So those markets I invest in. Atlanta became, the reason we moved to Atlanta is because A, it had warmer weather, but it became a very 
growing marketplace. We were doing a ton of business in Atlanta. So literally got married, right? Got married on September 7th. I got married and September 24th, me and my wife decided to leave New York, right? So literally 15 days later, decided to leave New York and we moved to Atlanta because our business was growing so rapidly. I told my wife, Danielle, let's quit your job. Let's go like ready, fire, aim, right? So, so we jumped into it. Market research. Next few things you want to look at when it comes to market research, days on market. Do you prefer, if you're flipping property, do you prefer low days on market or high days on market? Low, right? So you want to look at days on market various neighborhoods so take a look at all the different neighborhoods and find out are they high days on market obviously they're going to be riskier for flips if it's a high days on market in that area for renovated property right because that's what we're going to be doing we're going to be renovating properties is it a lower days on market obviously lower days on market is going to be a better area for flips right so days on market is the first thing that i'll study of, uh, after I figure out, okay, what neighborhoods was I guided to look at in that conversation with these agents and looking at these placements, right? Begin to understand after you look at days on market, what the neighborhood standards suggest. How do you do that? You can't look at the neighborhood because you can't get in your car when you live in wherever you live, California, you can't go drive to a property in Indianapolis in 15 minutes, right? Yet, at least. Take a look at the neighborhood standards, study the comparable, right? What are people putting into these properties to make them sell quickly? Review photos closely. So a picture tells a thousand what? Words, right? So when you look at these pictures, is that granite they're putting in? Is that hardwood floors? Is that stainless steel appliances? If I see that type of material in a property, is it more than likely a flip or a rental? flip, right? But if I look at pictures and I see laminate countertops, carpet, black or white appliances or something like that, in many cases, is that more than likely going to be a flip or a rental? Rental, right? So that's what I'm gauging. I'm still figuring out neighborhood. So that's what I'm gauging when I look at these pictures and then verify the information the agents gave you. See, I don't go off of what people tell me. I verify it with actual data. So you do your own research. This is a point that I'm, I, I really want to emphasize because I've, I've seen some investors in my own market get burnt because they didn't do their own homework, right? So verify all the information these agents gave you with pictures, days on market data, price points, etc. right? And then median pricing. Generally speaking, I would stay as close to the median price points as possible. Why? Because that's where the majority of buyers are in that market. Once you get more comfortable and confident in that area or in that market, now you can go ahead and start deviating. If you feel comfortable and confident, you can start deviating because you have more market knowledge. You have better experience of what that market will bear. I would generally suggest that you stay within 20% until you have some experience. And then that that's because that's where the majority of buyers exist. All right. And then yes, you're going to do remote rehabbing, but visit the market at least once 
Atlanta became our big market because about every three months I used to go out to Atlanta, right? I'm not saying you have to do it that much. I just did it because I kept growing the business over there, all right? Every three months I would go there and it was systemized. When I would go there, I had a system in place. And this is what I used to do. I used to set up meetings, tons of meetings, right? While I was there, I would go there and I would go there for three days. And for two and a half days, I would be meeting with agents, agents that I spoke to over the phone. Many agents now, like not three. I'm talking like, if I can, 10 or 15, as many as I can, one after the other. I would call contractors, wholesalers, any lenders that might exist there and start developing relationships. So for two and a half days, I would do that, but I'd go there for three days, right? So what am I doing for half a day? Driving neighborhoods. That's all I used to do. This is what I did. Back in 2008, they didn't have fancy smartphones. They just started them, but they saw, honestly, I couldn't get my phones to work properly back then. So I used to just buy a map, right? Of the city that I was in, and I would literally, for half a day, just drive in my car. And what, I, what was I looking for? Here's what I was looking for. I was looking for, is there a lot of board ups in this neighborhood? Is there trash all over the place on these streets? Are there tarps on roofs? Are there people hanging out at 10 in the morning, shooting the hay, right? When most people are at work. So what are the indicators? I was just looking for data points to understand what type of neighborhoods exist where. Right now, I was able to figure out, oh, this is probably a war zone because there's 14 board ups and a bunch of people just hanging out in two or three houses, right? Outside at 10 in the morning. So I'm probably gonna stay away from that area. Now I have a map sitting right next to me. So, and a highlighter, red one and a green one. Red means no, green means go, right? I mean, I kept it simple. And then I began to learn all these different neighborhoods. And I used to do this often. So if you can't get it done in a half a day, take a whole day, take two days, three days, right? Whatever you feel comfortable. But the point is there's no substitution for actually driving the neighborhoods at least once. So you can familiarize yourself with, hey, what areas are transitioning? These days, when you go into different neighborhoods and you drive different neighborhoods, you're gonna begin to realize, hey, there's a ton of construction going on over here. Do you think there's investment activity happening in that area? Yeah, absolutely. Is that an indicator for you to suggest, hey, perhaps this is an area I should be looking at? Yeah, right? You ride the coattails, so to speak, of other investors that are involved in certain areas. Now, I'm not saying just because another investor bought a property at a given price, you should pay the same amount. No, all I'm saying is this is an area of interest because there's a rehab going on over here and one block over there's another rehab and then five houses down there's another rehab. It's just that a lot of people are involved there, which means 